Good morning, church. Have a seat, everyone. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning I would like to give a testimony before I even begin to uh, unpack God's Word with all of you. We're going to leave the lights down uh, this mo- uh, today because we're going to do a lot of reading off the screen. It's going to be a little bit of a different morning than maybe what you're used to. As we talk about prayer this morning, I want to tell you guys how joyful it is for me to talk to this group about this topic because all week long I had a incredibly challenging week on like a ton of fronts. Had one of those weeks where you're working like 12 hour days, got a whole bunch of big stuff to do at work next week. Friday I had to fly to Charlotte, had got up at quarter till four in the morning, right? I was on a plane at 520, didn't get home till 730 that night. I had one of those kind of weeks. And I had to preach today, and I had a lot of stuff going on, and I had asked uh, several people, several brothers in this church, to pray for me, and I could completely feel those prayers. I just, even yesterday, I just had an incredibly beautiful day, and it is really encouraging for me to be able to say, I know that this church prays, and I know that people pray, and I can feel your prayers. Because this morning, as we talk about corporate prayer, and we've been talking about prayer on a lot of different levels in recent weeks, right? We've talked about prayer through song. We've been talking about intercessory prayer, all of these different ways in which we go to God and align our hearts and our will with his heart and his will through talking to him. And this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to do that together as a body. And we're going to do a lot of different things, but as we give context I think it's important to call out that we live in a day and age in which uh, prayer is held in low esteem. And much of this is our own fault. There's no more mockable phrase in the world today than my thoughts and prayers are with you. And the reason why people make fun of that so much is because most of the time we are neither thinking nor praying. And we use that as an excuse to not engage in the hard things of life but rather to brush away other people's pain and say, okay, that's really too bad for you. I don't think that there's anything I need to do about that. Where in reality, if we would both think, and most certainly if we would pray, we would see God affect change. But because we do neither, it has no effect, and we bring both things into disrepute in our country today. So this morning, as we talk about prayer, I hope we can re-elevate it to the place where it belongs, something that was the common practice of our Lord and Savior when he walked the earth, and the thing that defined the church in the book of Acts. So Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. So after all the stories about Jesus, there is a book about what everyone who followed Jesus did. For those of you that are new to the church, we call this book the book of Acts, and it is the story of all of Jesus' followers, and it describes how the first Christians, how the first people to believe in the, the name of Jesus how they lived, and what they did. And I want to give you guys a little bit of context for that because uh, there's several passages in Acts that it's easy to kind of fetishize the power that these people had. And we saw miracles take place and fire coming down from heaven, thousands of people getting saved all at one time, and people get all hot and bothered about this. Oh, days of glory and power, and that's what we want to see. But we often miss what marked the brothers and sisters, that led to displays of God's power. So in Acts 1.14, uh, 
the, the writer, uh, the book of uh, Luke, and he wrote Acts as well. Luke writes, all these had with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So after Jesus had appeared, the whole church was gathered and they were devoting themselves to prayer. And in Acts 2, 41 through 47, after an incredible speech, an incredible message in which thousands of people responded that Peter had preached publicly, it says, and so those who received this word were baptized and were added to that day, their number 3,000 souls. So this, Peter delivered such a powerful message that 3,000 people received it. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And again, you see the thing that marked God's people was this commitment to prayer and to the prayers. And I want to give us all a little bit of context for this early church as we are going to this morning hopefully participate in some of these same activities that they did and uh, corporately pray together and dedicate ourselves to the same type of life and behavior. The church, the early believers, they were uh, largely filled with uh, women and ethnic and economic outsiders. They were made up of the poor, the uneducated. They were made up of women who had no legal standing in their culture. They, uh, when the, the Jewish leaders of the day saw the men who were leading them, the comment was, it occurred to them that they were being led by uneducated common men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. These were just folks. They had no special power in and of themselves, no great education, no great training other than they had been with Jesus and they had seen the things that Jesus had done and heard the things that Jesus had said and they were dedicated to his teaching and to praying to him. They were oppressed culturally by the Jews. They were oppressed politically by the Romans, but they were marked by power in generosity and by the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. That was the early church. And what I want us to remember this morning as we pray together in various ways, it is that God's church can change the world when it prays because corporate prayer aligns us together with God's plan, with God's power, and with God's people. If you want thoughts and prayers to mean something, then pray together, then think together, then we align our hearts together because we only change the world when we have access to God's power. The early church had no power of its own. They only had the power that they received from the Father. They didn't have any plan of their own. They were literally sitting around in a room just praying, like sitting around thinking, what do we do next? They had no thought, no plan, no strategy. There was no you know, grand map of how the gospel was going to go out to all the world. They literally just sat there until God showed up and told them what to do. 
And they were aligned with each other, sharing everything they had in common, eating together, breaking bread together, meeting one another's needs together. And it wasn't an accident. It was because they prayed. So if we want to change the world, if we are tired of thoughts and prayers as an empty solution to the horrible tragedies that we see, then we better start praying. We better start engaging. And as we talk about the ways in which the early church prayed in the book of Acts, I spent a lot of time this week going through all the instances of prayer in the book of Acts. And I think there are probably four or five things that really mark and uh, illustrate certain moments in which the church was praying. And the first was that they prayed just as part of common practice, right? All those verses that we already read, uh, they dedicated themselves, it says, to the prayers. And we've already read some of those prayers this morning. We talked about uh, the Psalms last week. Part of what they were praying, part of what they were dedicating themselves to was to gather together and to read Psalms. In other words, they were praying back to God, the words that God had already given them to pray. It's not like it's a mystery. Sometimes we sit and think, well, I don't know what to pray. Yeah, you, we do know what to pray. God's given us a whole book full of prayers and full of songs. When you don't know what to pray, you can read a psalm and you can be assured that God knows what that means and that he wants you to pray it. And so they would pray together and they would dedicate time where they would come and read the word together. And so we're going to do that this morning. Uh, we've done it a few times. This is a little more of a common practice for us here at Soma. I think a lot of you uh, are comfortable and familiar with it. Uh, we're going to read a few psalms together. We're going to read a prayer from the New Testament. Um, we're going to do this the liturgy style, the way that we've been doing. Uh, I'll read the, the non-underlined portion, and I want you guys to join in for the underlined portion in bold. It's not going to be very hard because we're going to read this over and over and over again. <laughs> we're reading Psalms 136, 126, and let it loose, please, by all means. And as we do this, we're not just reading. We are praying we are joining our hearts together collectively saying his steadfast love endures forever. And we are agreeing with one another that that is true about our God. Let's read. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone who does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and the stars to rule the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And gave their land as a heritage. A heritage to Israel, his servant. 
It is he who remembers us in our lowest state. And rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the Lord, the God of heaven. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for praying with me. Amen. This is what the early church did. This is how access to God's power and God's plan took root because they got together and they prayed God's words back to him. They dedicated themselves to the prayers. Let's read Psalm 133 together. Read the whole thing together out loud. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. How sweet it is when we agree with one another, when we say the same things. Why don't we have any power? Why do our prayers not, not make any difference? Because we're not agreeing with one another. Because we can't come to any kind of consensus about anything. Much, much less in the country, what, not even barely in the church, can we agree about things. So we dedicate ourselves to prayer. And not only the prayers that were in the Psalms, but the early church would read letters that the apostles would write back to them. And they would read them, and they'd pass them around from church to church, and they would read them out loud. And those letters would be full of prayers and blessings. And the church would read them out loud, and it wouldn't just be reading. It would be praying and agreeing. And I'm going to ask Bobby to come up right now. Bobby, would you read uh, the passage that we're going to put up on the screen here? Ephesians 1, 16 to 23. And would you pray this over our church right now? I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. You want power? You want resurrection power? You want the kind of power that God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Paul says it's ours. And we come and we pray these things together to remind us that God's church changes the world when it prays. Because our corporate prayer, it aligns us with God's plan, God's power, and God's people. So not only 
did these brothers meet regularly and pray and read prayers together? That was the first and most basic building block. This was a thing that they did. And as I said, I'm deeply, deeply encouraged because I see signs of that in our, in our fellowship. And I see the effects of it in my own life, the prayers of many of you. So I can say that with much encouragement. But that wasn't the only thing that they did. There are also other things that marked, don't flip the slides yet because we're going we're gonna to do a couple other things before we get to the next slide. One of the other things that marked the church and Acts, times that they prayed, was that they prayed to appoint and set aside and encourage the leaders of their church. It was clear that one of the major impetuses for prayer among the early believers was when they were setting aside deacons and apostles, and they were saying, these are people who will represent us, who will serve us, who will carry the gospel. It is critically important that we pray for uh, our leaders, and it says in Acts 6, 1 through 6, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, the Hellenists were uh, Jews who spoke Greek, so they were culturally different, they didn't speak the same language as everybody else, and they felt like they were being discriminated against, and it says because the Hebrews, the Jews that were speaking Hebrew, uh, rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The church was taking care of women who could not take care of themselves because their husbands had died. And the, the women who spoke one language were getting better treatment than the women who spoke another language. And the church was upset about this. And the, the 12, the apostles, they summoned the full number of the disciples. They got all the brothers together, which is a few thousand people. And they said... It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of godly repute, full of the spirit and full of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, uh, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmas, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. And they set before the... They were set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So the response of the church to the fact that some of the believers were being um, overlooked and not cared for because of their, their ethnic or cultural differences, first of all, was to say, yeah, this is a serious problem. Nobody denied that, there was, that this was a problem. Nobody was like, hey, let's just calm down, you know, don't make a thing out of it. But the apostles were like, look, we're preaching, we're ministering the word, we, we've got so much going on, we shouldn't stop doing this just to make sure that everybody's getting fed. Appoint godly men to take care of this, to make sure that everybody gets taken care of correctly. And so the church got together and they prayed and they appointed people to make sure that everyone would be cared for. We call these people deacons. Deacon is a word that means servant. And it really isn't even a formal word. Like it's become like a it's become like a position in the church, right? Oh, well, I'm a deacon. The deacon word deacon literally just meant servant. These were just people who were bringing food to starving women. And we'll see in the, later on in the Book of Acts that simple act of bringing food to starving women led to some of the most powerful testimonies for Jesus Christ. We led to the word spreading to new places. We. Uh, we read about uh, Philip and the Ethiopian uh, eunuch a few uh, months ago when I spoke. Like, this is a really common 
thing that these men that were appointed just to care for other people would then preach the word with power and conviction. And how is it possible that these waiters, <laughs> these table waiters, could have such power that they could have such an incredible testimony, that they could uh, do miracles and become martyrs? How is it possible? I believe it's because the church prayed for them. That the church prayed over them. Let's take a few moments now as a group. And let's pray for our MC leaders and our pastors and uh, the deacons that we have in this church over seeing various things to help one another. Let's take some time and let's pray for our leaders. Um, we're a small church, so there's going to be a whole, there may end up being a whole lot of people up here. And uh, some of you are serving in ways that don't have like formal titles, and that's okay. Um, it, right now, I would love if anybody is a, a deacon or an MC leader um, or a pastor, if they would come up. And let's, as a church, let's pray over our leaders. Keep in mind that an axe to be a leader in the church meant you were likely going to get hauled off to prison, that you were going to be beaten. Right after they, anoint, uh, they named Stephen a deacon, the very next chapter, he's stoned to death. Being a leader in God's church and having that kind of power, the reason why everybody prayed for them so much is because they were putting their lives on the line. It's not about power and position and recognition. It's about serving people food, making sure they're well-fed, and doing that at the risk of your very life. That is, that is a whole different deal. We wonder why we don't have power in our prayer, why we don't have influence culturally. It's because we're not praying and we're not meeting needs and we're not being the kind of people that get stoned for their testimony. So if you are an MC leader, if you're a deacon, if you're a pastor, can you come up real quick? Um, and then we'll just have the church kind of pray over if you. If, same thing, if, you're, uh, if you host an MC in your home, anybody, there's a few people, Deb, come on up, Jody. Yeah, that's the problem with our deacons, right? They're, they're too busy serving right now. Brian, would you lead us in prayer real quick? Heavenly Father, we come before you and just recognize you know, your presence here with us. Recognize uh, the gifts that you have given us in these people that are here and that are you know, serving right now in, in other parts of uh, uh, Soma. Uh, we thank you for them. Uh, God, we pray your blessing over them. We pray your blessing over them in terms of, Lord, giving them wisdom and discernment that, that they need throughout their day, throughout their week, as they serve. As they serve, you know, in their official capacities, you know, with uh, the responsibilities in the church, but also as they just serve others that come across them in their life, uh, in their work, in their community, in their neighborhood. God, we lift them up to you. We pray for your power to be present in them. And we also just ask that, you know, for 
all of us, that as we pray during our weeks, that we would remember our leaders. Remind us, God, to pray for our leaders um, during our regular times of prayer, during our times, you know, as we're reflecting on your word. Um, we thank you so much for them. And we pray your blessing over them. Amen. Thanks. You guys can have a seat. God's church changes the world when it prays because corporate prayer aligns us with God's plan, his power, and his people. And the thing is, after praying for their leaders, as I said, the result of that most often was persecution. And you want to talk about one of the major drivers of prayer for the church in the book of Acts. It is persecution. And they prayed regularly for boldness and courage and for brothers that were in prison. Acts 4, 18 to 35. So they, the leaders of the Jews, called Peter and John and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak for what we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for they were all praising God for what had happened. They had healed a man. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. And the elders said to them, and when they heard it, excuse me, sorry, I lost my for when, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the, rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city... There were gathered together against you and your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They all continued to speak the word of God with boldness after being imprisoned and after being beaten and after being threatened. This was their response. God, give us more boldness. Make us bolder, make us stronger. Now the number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said any of the things belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with the great power of the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owner of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need." We see then later in Acts 12 when Peter is again taken prisoner because this happened more than once. This is a regular occurrence that their leaders were being grabbed in the middle of the night, hustled off into prisons and jails. And the church gathered together and prayed for Peter and he was miraculously released. And it was such a shock that when he showed up at the door, the girl who answered the door thought it was an angel or a ghost. When the church prayed, it prayed for boldness. It prayed for salvation, for persecution, for, for their leaders and for those in prison. 
we're going to take some time this morning. We're going to pray for brothers that have been uh, persecuted and imprisoned for their faith across the world. Um, I'd love it if everybody could kind of gather up in just kind of groups of like four or five, just kind of naturally turn around to some people around you, warm up. I'm going to put some pictures and a couple stories up on the screen and take some time and huddle together and pray for the release of these brothers from prison. And I'll tell you the story. Here's the first one. This is Musi Azaz. He was an evangelist. He is in uh, Eritrea, which is in East Africa near the border of Ethiopia. He's been missing for 11 years. He may, be, he may very well be dead. Those, those little babies you see next to him are, are grown up. They're teenagers now. They haven't seen their dad. Um, he called his wife and family after he was originally detained. Uh, he had escaped uh, and uh, had been fleeing. Uh, and now they think that if he's alive, he's in a, a heavily guarded prison uh, where they put uh, Christian teachers. Um, gather together right now. Groups four, five, or six, turn in your seats, turn your seats towards each other, and let's pray for the release uh, of this brother. Let's pray that he's alive. Let's pray for his release, for his salvation from prison, that if he is still being held, that he can preach boldly in prison. If he has, if he has died, then we give glory that his life is given glory to Christ. Let's pray for our brother. As you're praying, remember Pastor Sakwing Chow. He's a pastor uh, who crosses the border regularly between China and Myanmar. He was arrested in 2017, sentenced to seven years in prison as part of a government crackdown on house churches and their members. Pray for this brother's release. Uh, one of his traveling companions was released last year. Um, so there's, there's still political efforts, which are great. Um, but they don't measure against spiritual efforts. So please be praying for our brother's release and for uh, safety for our brothers and sisters in China and house churches. As we pray for brothers and sisters around the world in prison for their testimony for Christ, we have to look within. We have to think about the fact that we have 2.3 million people incarcerated in the United States right now. And some people have been incarcerated because they've run afoul of the law. But I guarantee you there are many brothers and sisters in Christ who are in prisons right now. Sometimes it's because of things they've done and they're paying just penalty, but sometimes it's not 40 462,000 people, 20% of those incarcerated are in jail right now, not prison, but jail, and have not been convicted of crimes, but lack the funds for release and processing. As we think about it and we pray for God, to have, for God to have mercy on us and on our country, and we think about brothers and sisters that are in jail, people that lack the resources to get away, 20% of those incarcerated have been charged with some sort of drug crime. 46,000 children under the age of 18 
are incarcerated right now. 61,000 people are in some form of immigration detention where they can be held more or less indefinitely until the system can process them and determine uh, whether or not uh, they're even there appropriately. There's a serious, serious issue with human bondage even within our own country. I don't have answers for all of this. These things are way too big for me. But I know that there are brothers and sisters in Christ behind bars, and they need prayers, and they need encouragement. There are men and women working hard to bring the gospel, to bring light into dark places. It's clear that we need reform and justice in our, in our prison system. I, I, I can't do anything but pray and ask that God would free us from an addiction to throwing each other in prison, that God would free us uh, that he would free brothers and sisters who are uh, in chains and in, are in prison that shouldn't be there. Um, so let's pray. Pray for wisdom. Pray that God would be at work, that he would show us what our responsibilities are. Pray that the innocent would be released. Pray that true justice would be done. Pray that we as a nation would address 2.3 million people behind bars. Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And Father, we know that there are no chains that can hold your, a child of yours. Lord, we pray for the physical liberation of the innocent. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are persecuted and are being hunted for their faith. Lord, we pray for those that have found themselves at the mercy of a criminal justice system. Lord, and I just pray that you would help us to be a just and righteous people, that we would care for the needs of the oppressed, that we would remember those in prison. Father, I pray that we would seek out hard solutions and not easy and convenient ones. Lord, and I just pray that your word would be preached with power in the darkest of places. We love you, Lord, and we ask for your, your spirit to set free all captives. Amen. The final thing that drove the church in the book of Acts to pray together was mission, was purpose, was the gospel reaching the very ends of the earth. In Acts 13, it said, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And I love the church of Antioch because this is a place in which there was every kind of ethnicity, people from all sorts of countries. They always had to like uh, designate where everybody was from because they were just from all over the world. And it says there was Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. We as a church, we exist to see the gospel change everything. Our primary focus here is this corner of Northwest Indianapolis, because that's where we live and that's where we are right now. We love our neighborhoods and we love our city and we love our state and we love our country, but we also know that there are men and women in darkness and change all over the world. We want to see the gospel go there too. Jesus said that we would be witnesses in, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's Pike Township and that's Marion County and that's the Midwest and that's still the ends of the earth. So let's gather together one more time now. We're, we're going to try to coordinate this. It's going to be interesting. If I could have four or five people get together right there in the middle and I want you to pray for Pike Township. And then I'd like, a, I'd like people to form a ring outside of them and pray for Indianapolis. And then everybody else Form a ring outside of them. Let's have three circles if we can. Somebody be brave and stand up and go in the middle. And simultaneously, some of you pray for Pike Township. And gather around. Some of you pray for the city of Indianapolis. And then everybody else on the outside, pray together. It's going to be harder because it's a larger circle. But be praying for the world. Be praying for the light of the gospel to go to the ends of the world. Our mission is simple, but it is not simplistic. Those on the outside, just kind of talk to the person next to you. Pray to the person next to you. Pray for God's spirit to reach the ends of the earth. Middle circle, pray for the needs of our city. And then for Pike Township. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Have a seat. As we wrap up. As we lead into our time of communion where we break bread and we remember Jesus' death, I hope that we can do so remembering the reason why we break bread together. Did you catch that, what we read earlier in Acts, that they broke bread together? What it was really saying was every day they were remembering Jesus' death. That wasn't just like, oh, they had, they had a couple of nice meals together. They were taking communion. They were habitually breaking bread together, joining together every day, remembering Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. And they prayed together because when they prayed, they were remembering him. They were doing what he did. 
and they changed the world because they were aligned with God's plan and God's power, and they were God's people. Let's pray and take communion. Dear Jesus, unite our hearts. Lord, we know that nothing will convince the world that you came from God and that God loves them like our unity. You told us that. Lord, and we pray to you now that you would change our world, our broken world. Lord, help us be instruments of that change. Lord, grant us the power to resist the enemy, to resist temptation. Give us boldness and courage in the face of persecution. Set our brothers and sisters that are captives free. Send us out on mission, Father. Thank you so much for loving us and calling us to participate in your great work. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Walking the